Church, if you were able to go out with us this week and be a part of that time of prayer on Thursday or that time of prayer on Friday night, you know that it was as meaningful for us as it was for those who, who walked by. You know, in, in the midst of this time that we're in, this is a different Easter. That's, that's said a hundred times over. And as our staff gets together and we, we talk about what's going on or what we're reading and things like that, I, I was encouraged this morning just by the joy that I was seeing coming through posts on Facebook and, and, and the songs that people are listening to. And, and it reminded me of something that I, I want to share with you today. And, and it's where we're going in our sermon in many ways, or at least where we're starting out. Because you know what? Fear has a way of making us take our eyes off of what's important, and we put our eye on what's Present, And I know that sounds really strange, but what's present is not always what's important. I can't tell you the number of times my mind gets filled with thoughts that are present. And they're, they're not important. They may not even be God-honoring. And, and I want to remind you today, as we start this service, that we serve a Lord who has given us a spirit of power. Not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of timidity, but of power. And today, we as a part of God's light in our community, caring for our neighbors, caring for those around us, we encourage, we're, we're mindful of, of one another. But, but we do it in such a way that hope is our driver. And fear, it doesn't have a place. Christy and I, we're, we're visiting about it. We've heard so many well-meaning people say, it's okay to be afraid. Listen, it's okay to bring your fear to the Lord. It's okay to trust the Lord so much and to confess, God, I'm afraid. But it's not okay to remain there. Why? Because you have a God who's sovereign. We serve, we serve a God who is over all of this. He knows every hair on your head. We talked about that last week. He knows every beat of your heart. He is numbered every step you will take, and he knows every smile that your child will make in their lifetime. That's the Lord who's in control. And so as we start this time off together, I want you to gather your family around you. I'm going to let my family come up here with me. Christy and Ashley are on stage. Connor can jump out from behind a camera. I just want you to gather your family. And, and mom and dad, I want you to put your hands on your kids. I'm, actually, I'm going to let you stand here between us. And Connor, you're getting tall. I just want you to stand with them. This isn't about video or whatnot. But would you put your hands on your family? And would you pray with me over them? Father God, I thank you for these people that I'm surrounded with. Father God, there are people at home, God, I pray that, that they would know their hands are extended to others and ours are extended to them. But right now, God, we profess that we serve a risen Lord. Lord, that the, the life that my children will lead is measured by your hand and not my hopes. Lord, that your ways are higher than mine. That, that your, your dreams are better. You are able to do more than I could ever imagine. Father God, your plans for them, for our life, are greatest than my greatest dreams. And so, Father God, I give our children, our family, our wives, our churches, believers all over the world, Lord, we come into your presence and gather into your hands this morning, God, knowing that you are sovereign over us. So, Lord, would you cast out 
that spirit of fear because the one who is stronger than the strong man has come into this place. And he is alive. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll let my family go back to their seats. Your family can do the same. That may be three feet away from you. It may be right where you are. But you know what fear does? It makes us want to hold on to things. And when we, we start holding on to things or people start removing things, we get caught up in this idea of freedom. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20. That's where we're going to be today in God's Word together. And in John chapter 20, what the Bible talks about is, is this resurrection. But in the resurrection of Christ, we, we get this idea that there is a freedom deeper than what anyone had ever experienced on a day like this. That there is a, a hope richer, a life fuller. There are colors more vivid in God's plan for us than anyone had ever noticed up until this point. And, and as, I, as I think about that, I, I was telling Omar the other day, six months ago, my mind was so smitten by eternity, I, I was worthless. I, I, I couldn't help everything I'm reading, the books that I'm, I'm reading through, the, the, the journal entries I'm writing are, are so biblically focused on what the Lord has for me that it, it took effort to be in the day. And what I've noticed is in this season that we're in, that, that as our freedoms, our physical freedoms get taken away, we're getting a little testy, aren't we? We're, we're, we're getting a little itchy. We start not, not wanting to read verses like, everything may be permissible, but it's not profitable. God, everything I want to do is profitable. We, we start getting antsy. We're, we're a country built on freedom. And our, our armed forces fight for freedom. Our, our schools teach about freedom. We have movements that, that make sure that freedoms are being cared for. All kinds of things throughout history. We value freedom very highly. But what I want you to know is, in light of the resurrection, we really see that the freedom that we're talking about today, the freedoms that we're so scared of losing, the, the, the possessions that, that we won't be free to play with, the, the money that we won't be free to use, the relationships we're not free to go in like normal, that they are simply a shadow. That they are, they are not real freedoms at all when compared to the freedom that Christ offers us. The freedom that Christ offers us is not situationally dependent. Check that out. You can be free in Christ regardless. You, you imagine any situation that you want right now. Whether it's sitting in a desk at school, reclining on your, your couch at home, whether it's stuck at work, thrown in prison, penniless on the street, persecuted in a country where faith is illegal. The freedom that Christ offers is so great, it is independent of the freedoms that are being lost or forfeited or sacrificed right now. And today, it's that freedom that we pursue. I don't know when this season of our society will change. I, I, don't, I don't know when life will go back to whatever it goes back to. But all of those things are independent. They, they aren't important for true freedom. Could you imagine what it would be like to have a freedom that is life to the fullest? 
that is joy beyond the cross, no matter what you're enduring? Could you imagine a rich laugh? The first time I heard our student pastor, uh, David Martin, on the phone, he cracked himself up so much, he had the richest laugh I'd ever heard. And I remember telling Christy, I want to be around that laugh. Because there's a richness and a joy that, that Christ gives us that no matter what's going on, I want to be overwhelmed with it. Do you know there's a richness in the freedom of Christ that doesn't make us wonder when the clock is going to change and when things will open up? They'll open up. But what would it like to live, to live richly now, to live richly then, because we're living in the freedom of tomorrow? That's what the resurrection is about. John chapter 20, verse 1. This is what the Bible says. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, now follow me up on this a little bit. If you're not familiar with this story, it, it's all right. What the Bible shows us is that, that Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, following his Father's will joyfully, the Bible says, because the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And on the cross, he was crucified, and he died for our sins. He, was the, he paid the penalty for our sins. And, and in that, the Bible says that he was taken off the cross by the Roman soldiers, verified as dead. And two guys, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, took him and he laid him in a tomb. And the, the Roman soldiers, the, they rolled a, a stone over the tomb and, and, and the governor set guards at it so that no one could break in. So that they couldn't uh, sneak away the body of Jesus and make up some crazy story. And, and in this time, the circumstances for the people of the Lord have totally changed. They thought, as long as they had this physical something, that they knew freedom. But what they found out was, when Jesus was different from them, this sorrow, this defeat, this, this crushingness came over them. And, and we're going to follow the story of two people who discovered freedom differently than they'd ever known before. And they both knew Jesus and they both loved him. But they didn't understand freedom. They didn't know what it was like to be set free until after the resurrection. And I want you to see their stories and how their story feeds into yours. So Mary is, is point number one. On the first day of the week, she came to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now the Bible says, says this as we move into it, that as Mary, she came one way, and we're going to see that she changed, that she left a different way. And all we know here is that Mary came early. That's what this passage tells us. If we look into Luke's account, we know that she came also bringing spices with her. Now this is really important, and I think it's really uh, meaningful. Because Mary came early. She couldn't wait. As soon as she would be allowed in, as soon as she would be able to go and honor Jesus, she was coming as early as she could with the best that she could bring. Now, now here's what I want you to know. I think a lot of times this is how we want to approach Jesus. We think it's the right way. 
we think, God, here's all the good works that I could do. Here's all the things that I can bring. And, and we come to him hoping. And it's, it's a semi-empty hope because we've done this two or three times before. And, then, and it doesn't play out. It doesn't, it doesn't have that power. We don't see Jesus responding like we want to. In fact, have you ever come bringing your best to the Lord and you're afraid? Has that ever happened to you? Listen, as a parent, I've fallen in this trap a thousand and a half times. Lord, I want to plan out what I want to do, what I want to say, where my kids are going to go, how I'm going to bring it. I'm going to, I'm going to tie it all together, and you're going to see how good of a job I have done doing all this preparation. And, oh, Lord, I pray it pays off. And like shaking, I come to the Lord. You see, Jesus never calls us to come on the front end proving ourselves to him. And so often we come to him like Mary early, not sure what to do, basically to bring honor to a God we don't really believe is going to move. Or if he does, it's a miracle. It's a, it's a rarity. Well, the Easter story starts off with Mary coming that way. Her act together, trying to have all her pieces together. Maybe that's how you think you're approaching heaven one day. That Lord will look at the package you've got for him and you'll put it down and he'll measure it out and you'll, you'll say, he'll say, all right, come on in. See, Mary knew Jesus and she was coming to him early in the morning, fearful. She, she was afraid. How are we going to roll the stone away? How are we going to put these spices on the dead body of Jesus? And when she gets there, the Bible says that she discovered something. Look in your Bible at verse 2, all the way down then uh, to verse, uh, we'll go all the way down to verse 5. It says this, so she ran, she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and as they were going towards the tomb, both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first, stooping to look in. He saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Can you, can you feel everyone's heart just went from depressed to just overwhelming beating through their chest. Do you feel that moment? Have you, ever, have you ever gotten news like that? Someone who's supposed to be somewhere else suddenly bursts in and proclaims to you an emergency has happened. They, they, they all of a sudden say, someone's in need of help, someone's missing, someone's gone. The world's fallen apart. Church, listen. Mary runs to Peter and John. She's crying out. And the Bible first introduces, or now introduces us to John's story. The Bible says that he got up with Peter. She went to tell Peter and the disciples. Peter gets up, John gets up, and they just start trucking. They, they are running with everything they've got. They, they are out of the house. I remember during one of our last crises, Connor was learning to ride a bike in Hurricane Ike. And I don't know how you are with your kids, but, but, but ours, when they fall, we, we're parents, we're saying, hey, good job, that's all right, you're good, dust it off, we're doing great. So that's our normal MO. 
And this time, Connor turned his bicycle, and he fell pretty hard. And it looked like a hard fall, but Christy and I were, hey, it's okay, you're doing good. And he looks up, and there's blood coming down, and all of a sudden, we look at each other, and we're trucking. Our message has changed. Our heart is racing. We want to make sure teeth are there, and, 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 and the blood is coming from something. We're just coming from all of that. Welcome to that Easter picture. But follow me. Have you ever had your heart jump out of your chest because you got an email from the boss, something's wrong? Your wife, your husband carries news to you. What we find out is John, he's not coming early and he doesn't have anything in his hands. The Bible says he is running with passion. Empty-handed but he's still hesitant. He still waits. You see, for all this bent-up passion, he and Peter, someone's taken the Lord, what are they going to do? He, he wants to do something about it. They want to make a difference. He runs so fast, he outruns Peter. He gets to the tomb and he looks in, but he stops. He won't go in. You see, he's not prepared. He, he just full of, 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 of himself, full of excitement. He's just running. There's an emergency. He doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets there. And when he gets there, he finds out he is not prepared. What is he going to do? Jesus is dead. If someone's taking him, he's taken by Roman soldiers. They're more powerful. They're adversaries. I feel like it all hits him in this moment. Church, let me tell you something. I want to show you these stories because there's not a, a right way to come to Jesus. I think many times we believe that Jesus wants us to come to him so that he can resurrect our gift and then resurrect us. So that, so that he can affirm what we've done and through affirming what we've done backward, like through the back door, affirm us and start to change. I think other times we're like John. Are you, are you that emotional, passionate person that, that comes to the Lord and says, I'm in, whatever I need to do. I'm going, Peter was like this. Tell me to walk off the boat. I'm in, let's go. There's a whole 300 cohort people, a cohort of Roman soldiers. Pull your swords out, let's do it. We, we find these dramatically different people. And here's what I want you to know, that the resurrection and the life that sets them free has nothing to do with any of this. Has nothing to do with any of that. Because it's, it's Jesus who changes us. It's not how we come that Jesus approves of and then tilts his hand to bless us. Look in your Bible a little bit further, and the Bible says this in verse 6. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus on his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand that the scripture that he must rise from the dead and the disciples went back to their homes. You see, the Bible says that John left believing. Isn't that amazing? 
he, he came in and he left. What was, what was the difference? What was going on from here to here? It was a testimony of the empty tomb. It was nothing. It was the absence of Jesus Christ that the Lord used to speak to him that morning. He made, John goes out of his way to say, I didn't know the scriptures weren't flooding into my mind. It wasn't that I came prepared. It wasn't that I figured it out. I came and he changed. Church, I want all of us to be able to go into battle like David did with Goliath and say, who are you? Who are you to threaten my Lord and God's people? To, to have that, I know where it's coming from. My prayer is like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we have that standing point that says, wait, whatever you want to do to us, it doesn't matter. We've got it. We know the direction. We can see what's happened. We've seen how God's provided. But you may be more like John this morning. Where, where you just need to say, God, I don't have anything to come. I don't know actually how I got here. I'm not even sure how I started watching this sermon this morning. I really thought I was just tuning in because of tradition. But the tomb is empty. The tomb is still empty today. He, he follows Peter's lead. One person, without even saying a word, invited him to witness the reality that Jesus has overcome, that their cause, that their faith had been well-placed. This morning, church, I want you to know that as you and I come to Jesus, it's the reality of the empty tomb. It's, it's the truth that the cross holds nobody. Why? Because Jesus is not on the cross. He's not in the grave, but he's ruling and reigning in heaven right now. And for your life, are you allowing the Lord to speak to your heart through the emptiness of the tomb? I know you've been looking for fanfare. You may have been looking for a voice to come from heaven, for, for, for rain to sprinkle down and a rainbow to appear. John didn't have any of that. It's the emptiness. Are you listening for the Lord or are you looking for what you can bring to him? Listen to what happened to Mary. This is what the Bible says about her. In verse 11, it says, But Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, I have taken what They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. Do, do you see the change in Mary? 
John left, came fearful, and he left believing because of the empty tomb. Mary came weeping. The Bible says in this moment she is crying. It, it, and the word for, for crying here is, is wailing. This is open and exposed. She is in deep loss. How deep is the loss? Angels appear in the tomb, and it doesn't bother her. It doesn't distract her. It doesn't phase her. She, she doesn't have this moment. If angel, if the Lord has sent angels to console me, it must be. She is so broken. All of her spices, all of her planning, all laid, fallen at the feet, probably outside of the tomb. She's got nothing left. All of her, her hopes are, are falling out of her. But you know what she does? In this moment, returning to the tomb, she just lingers. It, it, it's not pretty lingering. It, it's, not, it's not something you would take a picture of and, and put on Facebook as an encouragement to people around you. She, she's got nothing, nowhere else to do. All of her plans, all of her ways to 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 honor Jesus, to confess to Jesus her love for her, everything she had to bring. It's a mess. She's a mess. All she can do is linger in the last place where she remembers hope being. And in that lingering, she hears her name, Mary. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. In that moment, Mary perks up. She wasn't looking for Jesus, but she was hearing him. She, she, wasn't, she wasn't believing that hope was there, but she was seeing it. Church, this morning as we find ourselves in this spot, you may be lingering, and when you are, are you listening for the name, for the voice of Jesus? Are you, are you drawing near to him in the way that, that you bring your fears or your concerns to him? The Bible says it was the calling out of her name. It was the, the lifting up of the voice of Jesus Christ that changed her heart. She didn't have to bring anything. She just had to linger where he was. This morning... You didn't come. You're not sitting. You're not in this place with me just to impress Jesus. You, 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 you aren't here just to allow your passion to, to accomplish something. Jesus doesn't want you this resurrection day, this, this Easter morning, to leave the same way you came in this morning you may have been and you may be a follower of Christ Jesus and you have come with your hands full of things for God to bless but a heart that doesn't really believe that Jesus is going to move this morning you may just be reacting maybe fear has completely overcome your life maybe all of the decisions that you are making right now are based on clinching this little bit of freedom this little bit of life that you have left Bible says let it go it's in the empty hands of Christ it, it's in the emptiness of the tomb that Jesus is found
this morning on this resurrection day i want to let you know you're invited in you're you're drawn in to christ because the tomb is empty because there's no one there's no dead body there there's there's no evidence of his presence other than the freedoms he was wrapped in Jesus doesn't want you to impress him. And he doesn't want your passion to guide you. Because he's come to change your heart and your eternity and your life. Maybe this morning you identify with Mary. If that's the case, would you drop all your works and go to the place where you last were able to linger with Jesus. For me, it's a foam pad in my closet. When I feel distant from him, I just go to linger and wait upon him. This morning, will you go and wait upon the Lord? Maybe you're like John. Maybe you're just going through, following your gut, and it's not led you to a place of victory. It's, it, it's called you to hold back and to look at where your passion has led you. The Bible says that for you and I, Jesus came. And the empty tomb is a testimony of what he has done, not where your passion has led you. So this morning, as we pray together, if you have not allowed the empty tomb to be a message to your heart, if you have not allowed the Lord knowing your name to speak to your life, this morning you can live in freedom and abandon that fear because it rests on a living God and a risen Savior. Would you pray with me, Father God? Lord, I know this morning... There are are many things floating around in the hearts and the minds of people all over the world. And and Lord, we feel a whole lot like Mary. Like things are crashing down. I just want to hold on to a few things and I'll present those to you. Father God, you tell us to lay our junk at the foot of the cross. You tell us to lay our burdens at your feet. You tell us to drop them. So right now, Father God, would you allow people to drop them so that they can live joyfully in whatever space they are? Father God, this morning, if there are some who they don't even know how they're here, they don't even know how they got in this routine of going to church or listening to sermons or singing songs, because they really, if they confess to themselves, they have been waiting on the heavens to open up. They've been waiting on rainbows to fill rooms for this ground-breaking, earth-shaking moment. And Father God, right now, it's you speaking to them in the emptiness. Father, it's the evidence of your hand at work in their life. This morning, as you're listening to this, if you've never had the security of faith in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, I own it. Father God, I I know I've been trying to figure out how to get you to notice me. And right now, I realized 
I've been the one putting stuff in the way. So Lord, I give you my hopes. I give you my fears. I give you my life. I believe in Jesus as the one who can save me. And I confess him as my Lord to follow the rest of my life because I want to live in his freedom. In Jesus' name.